Hello, friends and gang. Thanks for tuning back in, continuing on our Artist's Way book and practices. I'm so excited and happy, and I feel like it's such a perfect time to be doing these practices right now. And, um, you know, and I trust that whenever you do tune into these this podcast or to the practices, however you do, is the right time for you. So I think it's important to recognize our unique paths uh, for what they are and uh, to not um, compare them to anybody else's or any other timelines as we are the universe and and timelines are, um, you know, we can tune into any timeline at any given parts of our path and they're all good and okay. So um, I also finished week one's tasks and, you know, like, uh, I think pretending, for example, the five lives that we had to imagine for me, like pretending to be one of them or each of them as we're in quarantine, like certain things are options are kind of a little bit more limited, but again, we can get kind of creative. Um, time travels for me very be- were very beautiful. Morning pages are also really also very nice all the time. And um the artist date and walk like those are something. So at the end of each week, there is a check-in and it's um, basically checking in to see if you've done your morning pages every day. And if you did take your artist on the date and if any other issues came up and, you know, if you can describe them and basically pay attention to them, like, um, you know, just recognize them for what they have been. And I think a lot of times on this path, just recognizing that something is there is a huge um, step forward. Absolutely. Um, I personally have been talking about every three weeks, every four weeks, I talk to a shamanic counselor, um, which would become good friends. But, you know, he's basically my counselor. He lives in California and I live in New York. So we check in and, you know, and having been doing the exercises for the past week or two has definitely tuned me back in on my path and my work on myself. So instead of just kind of going and telling him about what has been happening, I actually am more focused into discovering uh, what it is that might be holding me back. And interestingly enough, like, um, you know, this is like we're kind of treating the artists, um, the child artists inside of us and that that those um, counseling sessions and journeys that we went together, depth hypnosis that we kind of did were also like bring me back to that. And that brings us to actually the second week bring, uh, brings me here to um, explain what this week is going to be about and Um, One of the issues that I realized I was tackling yesterday with my counselor is actually mentioned here. So week two is the title is Recovering a Sense of Identity. And um, I've highlighted different parts of the book and I'll just go ahead and read these highlights and um, explain in between where I feel like something can be expanded a bit. So she's basically... um, 
you know, it's as she's mentioning that, you know, self-definition is a major component of creative recovery. And uh, it's where you draw the boundaries and lines and you find a territory in where in which, you know, um, you can nurture um, your identity um, as an artist and what the healthy relationship with that artist is like. So she explains in the beginning that, um, you know, trusting our creativity is actually a new behavior for many of us. And that's so true. We are trying to recover that sense. And it's like, because for many reasons, obviously, we have never dared to uh, express ourselves as an artist or as a creative being, perhaps. Uh, and if we have, it's been kind of limited. So the more we try to expand on that, it's a new territory and a new behavior. And she says it's important to remember that at first, um, going sane kind of feels like going crazy, right? Because you're you're switching. You're switching from your old patterns. There are new behaviors. There are new attitudes. There are new perspectives. And it's not only new to you, but it's also new to people around you. So even if you are aware of like the fact that, okay, this is a, you know, very um, solitary more uh, autonomous new way that you're um, pursuing and you can be aware of it some once in a while somebody from your surroundings and your family or people around you they come and they reflect something back that might make you again go back to that place of questioning and doubt so we'll expand on that and um, so she says as we gain strength so will some of the attacks of self-doubt right? So they try to sustain themselves. This is normal. And we can deal with these stronger attacks when we see them as symptoms of recovery, right? So just to know, yes, yeah, you're gonna, you want to change. And then that whatever self-sustaining doubt are also are gonna get stronger, try to make um, themselves uh, remain in your life. So uh, early in our Self, our creative recovery, self-doubt can lure us into self-sabotage, which is a very, very common um, aspect of us as human human beings in general. Like whether you want to like identify as an artist and a creator or not, we self-sabotage all the time. And it's nothing to be super, I think, uh, worried about, you know, I think as long as we are taking the steps into recognizing them and gathering up the courage to face these um, moments of self-doubt and self-sabotage and recognize them and step more into that place of connection more and more instead of disconnection, because what does self-sabotage do? It, it tries to keep us from expanding and connecting to something greater. And it tries to keep us into that place that is familiar, even though it is not very um, much connected to something bigger. And um, in this path, we might also recognize that there are um, some relationships and some people and some playmates that we have been around who are kind of poisonous for us. And until we decide to take this path of recovery, we might not even recognize that because, you know, they have this allure and magic about them somehow, or they're very convincing that, um, 
I'm sorry, my neighbors are yelling outside. Um, that uh, we 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 buy into it. We buy into their so so called magic. So, um, and another thing is that you know it's not necessarily the fact that you know there are very um, there are people who are uh, poisonous in terms of being kind of narcissistic. And um, they need your attention, but there are also people who are already blocked in their creativity and they can't, um, you know, reflect back to you, uh, you know, that, that you're creative, your, your bigger creative self. So, you know, it, it, she gives an example of like, she says, do not expect your block friends to applaud your recovery. That's like expecting your best friends from the bar to celebrate your sobriety. How can they when their own drinking is something they want to hold on to, right? So it's it's very, um, um, you know, obvious what she's trying to say. And she says, blocked friends may find your recovery actually very disturbing. And I have experienced that in different ways. And it's also... You know, it can be annoying because it's also a new territory for us. So we're not 100% feeling the magic or we don't feel in, in the zone or in our element yet. So we might also give some vibes of like that awkwardness that we're still in this new area as well. So all in all can kind of get, get all these feelings can come together and make us feel like um, this is... Uh, weird that what we're doing but it's again it's that um the important path is to take those steps and show up so she says it is very important to understand that the time given to morning pages is time between you and god you best know your answers so you are the one you will be led to new sources of support as you begin to support yourself Okay, and be very careful to safeguard your newly recovering artist. Often creativity is blocked by our falling in with other people's plans for us. And that's so, so, so important. It's like a very powerful step in spiritual growth and creative recovery in everything um, that we imagine is to speak our truth and to basically follow our own hearts and follow our, our own truths and pay attention to that um, intuition when it does something doesn't feel right to not fall into it. And a lot of times if we are not strong yet into creating our own um the life that we desire or our like the book that we want to write or whatever creative project it is. Um, you know, we, we, uh, there are people who are very much, um, you know, powerful in that, um, their creativity and the manifestation and they can, <clears throat> you know, gather us and sum us up for their projects. Right. And, you know, that's all good, but the point is, you know, you, you when you're conscious and you want to, protect and recover your inner artists uh, to pay attention to these things. The essential element in nurturing our creativity lies in nurturing ourselves. Through self-nurturance, we nurture our inner connection to the great creator. Through this connection, our creativity will unfold. 
Paths will appear for us. We need to trust the great creator and move out in faith. Repeat this. The great creator has gifted us with creativity. Our gift back is our use of it. Do not let friends squander your time. Be gentle but firm and hang tough, right? So, um, and and also this is, I live by this and I am discovering it more and more in different lights and it's so beautiful and it's such a, so many moments of epiphany with this truth that the best thing you can do for your friends is to be an example through your own recovery, through your own feeling healing through your own purity, through your own wholesomeness. That's the best thing you can do. When there is an example and people can see, it's much easier for them to step into that as well. Or it's like very inspirational for them to feel the wholesomeness and the strength and the power and peaceful and peacefulness and beauty in that rather than, um, and the feeling of connection, right? It's all the magic that we really are aiming for. Um, and it can take a form like you can definitely be creative with the beauty of that. And, and our unique soul signatures, I think, uh, is also kind of shines through. It doesn't have to be so bland because sometimes like peacefulness uh, to many artists kind of sounds like being bland, but that's not what it is. It's actually just, a you know, very mm, powerfully um, expressive, uh, form of light. Right. So, yeah, so here, uh, she moves to, uh, what she calls the crazy makers, which I, I'm going to call the narcissists, uh, people in our lives who discount your reality. And they usually expect special treatment in your life because they need you, the power and attention from you rather than trying to find that within themselves. They usually break deals and destroy schedules. They spend your time and your money. They might, um, you know, uh, it's just kind of the, their whole behavior one way or another, whether it seems consciously or unconsciously seems disrespectful and um, not very um, considerate of your truth and your reality. And they are very good at blaming others or consequences. They usually create drama, but, um, you know, they don't take responsibility for it. And they hate schedules. They only like their own schedule. They don't like order. They um, deny that they're the crazy makers. And we are also, and it's also, so. and she says, you know, it's very... Um, important okay so we say if crazy makers or i said narcissists or whoever you whatever you call them are that destructive what are we doing involved with them like why are we around them right so that's our part now to take that responsibility and the answer she says to be brief but brutal is that we are that crazy ourselves and we are that self-destructive Yes, as blocked creatives, we are willing to go to almost any lengths to remain blocked. This is like a very, um, on many levels, you know, I can explain this to you energetically. It's just a matter of 
um, you know, just the sluggish energy tries to um, sustain itself. It's like, you know, think of uh, the energy of a couch potato who just wants to numb out and just watch TV and eat potato chips and, <laughs> you know, just um, not do anything. You know, and that's that energy tries to sustain itself versus it just takes like basically a moment of, um, you know, spark and will to get up and do something different to change that energy around. Because otherwise it's very um, easier to just continue doing that. Admit that you're being used and admit that you are using your own abuser. Right. So when you're around the crazy maker, you're around somebody who's like doing stuff like that. Um, admit it and also admit that you are putting yourself in that place, right? Your crazy maker is a block. You choose yourself to deter you from your own trajectory. If you're involved in a tortured tangle with a crazy maker, stop dancing to his or her tune. Pick up a book on codependency or get yourself to a 12-step program or for relationship addiction. Al-Anon and Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous are two excellent programs for stopping the crazy maker's dance. And the next time you catch yourself saying or thinking he or she is driving me crazy, ask yourself what creative work you are trying to block by your involvement, right? So, yeah, so it's, um, and uh, she goes on to skepticism and talks about, she says, um, you know, uh, it does not seem to matter whether we're officially believers or agnostics. Um, we have our doubts about all of this creative creativity stuff. And those doubts are very powerful. Unless we air them, they can sabotage us, sabotage us. Many times in trying to be good sports, we stuff our feelings of doubt, Right. We need to stop doing that and explore them instead. So a lot of times it's very true. We want to be this positive, you know, example and be a good sport and, you know, all of these things for maybe for our community or whatever. And we, we kind of try to hide that how much doubt we actually do have. But that's not the right direction. We have to face them and we have to recognize them. One of the things... Most worth noting in a creative recovery is our reluctance to take seriously the positivity, the, sorry, the possibility that the universe just might be cooperating with our new and expanded plans. Sometimes we, we, are, we can't believe it, like how exactly what we asked for and needed is just right in front of us, right here. We're like, no way, like this can be all of it. Like I don't believe, you know, and we can't believe how powerful universe can be. So we kind of reject it. Right. Um, we've gotten brave enough to try recovery, but we don't want the universe to really pay attention. We still feel too much like frauds to handle some success when it comes. We want to go. Right. Oh, my God. I've, if I can tell you how many times I've seen this example with myself or in others of like how much we ourselves feel like frauds, because perhaps uh, we use certain techniques to um, 
keep ourselves maybe positive during um, the time that we knew we were suffering, like, you know, when we were trying to be good sports, right? And we were um, trying to hide our doubts that when the universe actually responded to what we actually asked for, we still feel like frauds, which should not be like all those feelings of guilt and shame and not deserving are holding us back. So it's good to be aware of that. There's a quote here from Minor White. It says, no matter how slow the film, spirit always stands still long enough, stands still long enough for the photographer it has chosen. So, you know, we, we just need that connection, right? And that connection is our faith in ourselves and our and our universe. Inner work tree. So here she comes saying, inner work triggering outer change? Ridiculous. We slammed the door. God bothering to help my own creativity recovery slams the door. Synchronicity supporting my artists with serendipitous coincidences slam, 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 right? I mean, you know, I think it's always good to, um, you know, even when there are signs and there are all these things like not to, um, I mean, you know, whatever, you can always like jump in both feet and head and heart all together, you know, for, for to respond to his coincidences. But mm, it's also, I mean, it's okay to kind of hold them for a little bit and, and examine and see. Because sometimes we actually don't realize how powerful of manifestors and creators we are. That... Um, you know, and how much we're all on at the same time growing spiritually and expanding that, you know, um, certain things that manifest right away may not actually be in our um, highest interest. So it's like, it's good to take our wisdom with us and, but also obviously not self-sabotage and pay attention to these signs and like go with our fullness and wholeness and understand that there is a wise uh, presence can be with us that can make these decisions. In creative recovery, it is not necessary that we change any of our beliefs. It is necessary that we examine them, right? So that's, um, that's the important factor. So you don't have to be afraid that, oh my God, this is going to mean that everything's going to 180 degrees be completely different. No, you know, it comes and you just examine certain things. And I think that's all that actually is required to do. <laughs> so the next part is talking about attention, right? Henry Miller says, develop interest in life as you see it in people, things, literature, music, the world is so rich, simply throbbing with rich treasures, beautiful souls, and interesting people. Forget yourself, right? So the attention, very often a creative block manifests itself as an addiction to fantasy. So, and this addiction to fantasy meaning is, is like, in a sense, um, is trying to get us out of this very moment right here and right now, not realizing that connection to this very moment is so rich and so full of uh, creative flow that, you know, we think, you know, being lost in our fantasy is better. But that is actually, again, it's another block. 
So um, the reward of attention is always healing, she says. More than anything else, attention is an act of connection, right? And then she goes on to explain um, the letters from her grandma, which was living with a grandfather who was kind of uh, a gambler and an alcoholic or had all these different issues. But she was always despite all the things that she's been dealing with whether it was in her relationship with her husband or or his uh, behavior and their financial ups and downs she was paying attention to the little things in life to the birds to the blossoms to um you know little people little things events around and how powerful and beautiful that has been um so and also a lot of times she's just talking about how pain comes to our lives to actually make us pay attention and bring us brings us back to this moment and therefore we realize what's important and what's not. <clears throat> so we realize that in this moment just now everything's all right. I'm bring, breathing in and out, realizing this I began to notice that each moment was not without its beauty out of pain. The poet William Meredith has observed that the worst that can be said of a man is that he did not pay attention. And I really like, it gives me goosebumps to read this. So she has 10 rules at the end of almost this chapter that we are before going through tasks that I'm going to um, read for you. Uh, feel free to grab a pen and paper and take notes. <clears throat> and they go like this. In order to be an artist, I must. One, show up at the page. Use the page to rest, to dream, to try. Two, fill the well by caring for my artist. Three, set small and gentle goals and meet them. Four, pray for guidance courage, and humility. Five, remember that it is far harder and more painful to be a blocked artist than it is to do the work. Six, be alert always for the presence of the great creator leading and helping my artist. Seven, choose companions who encourage me to do the work not just talk about doing the work or why I am not doing the work. Eight, remember that the great creator loves creativity. Nine, remember that it is my job to do the work, not judge the work. And last but not least, place this sign in my workplace. Great creator, I will take care of the quantity. You take care of the quality, right? I think the first one actually summons everything up, but it's nice to have the details, which was show up at the page, use the page to rest, to dream, and to try, right? Very well. All right. So um, again, there are some tasks at the end of this chapter. Um, there's 10 of them. I will also go through the tasks. You can also take notes of these as well. So the first task 
is called affirmative reading. Every day, morning and night, get quiet and focused and read the basic principles to yourself. So have this as a task, and then at the end of the, I finish, finish when I finish the task, I'll go back and read these basic principles for you so you can um, either record it or take note of it or just come back to this um, episode, uh, the end of this episode, and you can play it to yourself again. Um, so looks like... Okay, looks like I can only record for 30 minutes uh, and I'm about to finish. So I'll stop and I'll come back and do the tasks in the second place. Okay, let's take a break. I'll be right back to read the tasks again for you. Okay, so again, the first task is affirmative reading. Every day, morning and night, get quiet and focused and read the basic principles to yourself. So at the end of the all the 10 tasks, I would read the basic principles and you can take note of them. Number two, where does your time go? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to task one. So she says, after reading these uh, basic principles, be alert for any attitudinal shifts can you see yourself setting aside any skepticism yet while you're going through these basic principles task number two where does your time go list your five major activities this week how much time did you give to each one which were what you wanted to do and which were shoulds how much of your time is spent helping others and ignoring your own desires. Have any of your blocked friends triggered doubts in you? So this is a very, very important task. Please, please, please pay attention to it. So you want to list five major activities. Um, kind of think about how much time you give gave to each of them and how much of them were shoulds and shouldn'ts and how much of them were your own desires, how much of them were something you did for somebody else versus what you wanted to do and how have any of your blocked friends triggered doubts in you. So take a sheet of paper, draw a circle. Inside that circle, place topics you need to protect. Place the names of those you find to be supportive right? So these are all inside. Outside the circle, place the names of those you must be self-protective around just now. Place the safety map near where you write your morning pages. Use this map to support your autonomy. Add names to the inner and outer spheres as appropriate, right? So of course, you know, if you live with somebody who <laughs> you want to put their names, whether inside or outside the circle, you can find obviously a nickname or something that will give you the clue and um, it will also make the maybe the practice more fun. Task number three, list 20 things you enjoy doing. For example, Rock climbing, roller skating, baking pies, making soup, making love, making love again, riding a bike, riding a horse, playing catch, shooting basket, going for a run, reading poetry, and so on. 
When was the last time you let yourself do these things? Next to each entry, place a date. Don't be surprised if it's been years for some of your favorites. That will change. This list is an excellent resource for artist dates. Okay? So this week you can, again, choose one of these activities for your artist date activities. Or later as well. Task number four. From the list above, write down two favorite things that you've avoided that could be this week's goals. These goals can be small. Buy one roll of film and shoot it. Remember, we're trying to win you some autonomy with your time. Look for windows of time just for you and use them in small creative acts. Get to the record store at lunch hour. Well, maybe not right now, but, you know, just as an example, just, you know, just to be um, inspiring, you know, to not think that you have to have five hours. You can just use 15 minutes to, you know, go and do these things um, that will be from the list above. And it's a, it's a step towards um, that activity that you like to do. Task number five, dip back into week one and read the affirmations. Note which ones cause the most reaction. Often the one that sounds the most ridiculous is the most significant. Write three chosen affirmations five times each day in your morning pages. Be sure to include the affirmations you made yourself from your blurts. Okay, remember we... One of the tasks last week was to change the blurts into affirmations instead. So you can choose three of them and write them five times every day in your morning pages. Task number six. Return to the list of imaginary lives from last week. Add five more lives. Again, check to see if you could be doing bits and pieces of these lives in the one you are living now. If you have listed a dancer's life, do you let yourself go dancing? If you have listed a monk's life, are you ever allowed to go on a retreat? If you're a scuba diver, is there an aquarium shop you can visit? A day at the lake you could schedule. So, you know, again, obviously, if you're in quarantine, <laughs> you can be creative. And if not, uh, yeah, try to do something near, you know, that will um, inspire that life in you. And as if you've getting closer to living it. Task number seven, <clears throat> life pie. Draw a circle divided into six pieces of pie. Label one piece spirituality, another one exercise, another play, and so on with work, friends, romance, slash adventure, right? So we have spirituality, exercise, play, work, friends, and romance slash adventure. Place a dot in each slice at the degree to which you are fulfilled in that area. The outer rim indicates greater, inner circle not so great. Connect the dots and this will show you where you are lopsided. As you begin to the course, it is not uncommon for your life pie to look like a tarantula. As recovery progresses, your tarantula may become a mandala. Working with this tool, you will notice that there are areas of your life that feel impoverished. 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 
I hope I'm saying that right, and on, which you spend little or no time. Use the time tidbits you are finding to alter this. If your spiritual life is minimal, even a few minutes, um, pit stop into a synagogue or a cathedral can restore a sense of wonder. Many of us find that five minutes of drum music can put us in touch with our spiritual core. For others, it's a trip to a greenhouse. The point is that even the slightest attention to our impoverished areas can nurture them. Number eight. 10 tiny changes. List 10 changes you'd like to make for yourself, from the significant to the small or vice versa. You know, for example, get new sheets or, so I have another set, or go to China, or paint my kitchen, dump my bitchy friend Alice. Do it this way. I would like to da 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 I would like to da 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 As the morning pages nudge us increasingly into the present, where we pay attention to our current lives, a small shift like a newly painted bedroom can yield a luxuriously large sense of self-care, which is very important, right? Task number nine, select one small item and make it a goal for this week, right? So it says, like, uh, get new sheets, for example. So you have another set of sheets, make that um, small item and make it a goal for this week and go actually do it. <clears throat> uh, make it a goal and then task number 10 is to actually go and get that done so number nine is to make it a goal for this week to go and buy the sheet and number 10 is to actually go get the sheets right and then there is another um quote at the end that i would like to read it says it's by paul Gagan. Gagwin. i shut my eyes in order to see Okay, so it's a, again a matter of connection to our inner creative self. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that um, these uh, tasks are helping you and that you're connecting and you're following up. And I am a full uh, cheerleader for your path as I'm also doing it for myself and I'm discovering you know, I've been in the path of healing uh, those who know me. It's been a long journey. It's been about 15 years that um, I'm very aware of uh, all the work that I need to be doing. And it's amazing how, you know, it's a never um, ending path. And it gets very, very interesting as you become more comfortable and masterful in um, sitting down with these things and paying attention to them. And, and I'm nowhere close to mastery. I, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but, um, you know, as long as the awareness is there, I think we're definitely in a good place. Um, because, you know, these are more subtle and, uh, subconscious parts of our lives and our reality and our minds and our spirit that we need to tackle and, discover and from there we find powerful connections with each other and definitely right now the whole you know world is going through a huge transformation so it's very important to connect um the right way this time and 
trust ourselves and and clear the self-doubts and self-sabotaging behavior and you know get in tune with that great creator so um Please share with your friends and your family and make sure to nurture yourself and give and draw those boundaries and until you get stronger in them and then you can, you know, maybe have some wiggle room to have space for people who are still dealing with more shadowy sides of themselves and you can help them as well. All right, so have a great week and I will uh, connect with you from this um what you call a channel uh next week namaste <laughs>